Standing on the platform of truth. Pioneer Health and Missions. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See, thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word and bless Dustin as he uh, brings us the message this morning. Morning, everyone. Um, This scripture reading, we're not going to really go too much into it, but I wanted to sort of set a tone and ask a question before we pray. Um, Why is it that John was not permitted to worship this angel? Now, this angel we know from Desire of Ages was Gabriel. Why, Why not kneel and worship Gabriel? Not divine, exactly. So that's, that's the tone that I want to set for today's message, is that angels are not divine, and we have two divine beings in the universe. And I think with that, with that backdrop, if we keep that in mind, we'll be able to see um, some of the things that God has to present to us today. Our message is titled, Who Are the Three Highest Powers? And before we get into uh, the message, let's, where possible, kneel and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be gathered together here today in your presence. I pray that all outside unholy influence would be kept away from this house. And I pray that your holy influence that you exert through the channels of your angels would be present and so that we could have clear minds directed toward you today and toward what you have to show us, towards true worship that belongs only to you and your son. I pray that the words that I say would be corrected before they come out of my mouth so that I would not confuse anyone, but make this topic more understandable and point people to the inspired evidence that we are given rather than speculation. I pray these things not because I deserve or anyone here deserves an audience with the King of the universe, but because Christ afforded that right for us by dying for us on the cross. And it is in his name I pray. Amen. All right. The, um, the reason for this presentation is that there have been some ideas floating around that uh, seem new and seem different concerning the highest powers, the three highest powers in heaven. And so what I'd like to do today is um, give you a, a sampling of, of these viewpoints and by giving you two or three quotes. And those that said these things, the identity of them isn't important. What we're gonna focus on is the message that's being presented. Uh, Personalities, 
other than the personality of God is not important to today's message. Not my personality or anyone else's, just God's personality, and that's what we're focused on today. But I, I would like to share with you what is being said so that you can look into the evidence presented today and make decisions in your own mind what direction God wants you to take regarding this subject. So the ideas that I'm speaking of are that the Holy Spirit is something other or someone other than the Spirit of Christ. And so, like I said, we'll take a look. I have three, three short uh, quotes here. And the question I want you to be asking in your mind as we go through all the evidence, step by step, is who are the three highest powers? And then we'll also take, besides these quick clips at the, at the beginning or quotes, we're going to take a look at um, the inspired evidence. They're going to be a, a, a long list of Ellen White quotes that we'll go through. And what, what I want to show you is how she used the phrase, because that's what's important. That's where we get this phrase. We don't get this phrase from the Bible. We get this phrase from Ellen White. And so I'm interested in how she uses it and in what context we find these three highest powers. Now, before I show you the quotes, they will seem to be new ideas, but we'll find out by our very last quote at the end of the presentation that there is nothing new under the sun. This is not a new idea. It might seem new to you, but it's not a new idea. And we'll see um, where this idea came from or uh, where we've seen it before, at least. And here's our first quote. So we have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the angels. One, two, three. Did Ellen White ever write the number three? Three powers, three worthies, the heavenly trio. These are all good statements because she knew what she was saying. She was not saying God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. She never said that in her life. She never believed it. She never thought it. But she could easily say three powers. One, two, three. Father, Son, angels. And for those people who don't know it, Lucifer is called the next after Jesus. Lucifer was the next. So are you seeing what the speaker's saying here? The three highest powers are Father, Son, Lucifer before the fall. We'll give him that. And now who would that be? Gabriel. Okay. Not saying right or wrong now. This is just what's being said. And I uh, just want you to have it clear in your mind what's being said in this quote. And I also want you to realize that the way I view this quote is that it's distancing itself from the evidence we find in the Bible. And as we go through the Ellen White quotes, you'll see how this is true. And that evidence is found in Matthew 28, 19. So here's our next quote. We know that God the Father is the highest, the highest in power, the highest in authority the highest in position. Now, these are all hierarchy terms here. We know that Christ is the next in authority as the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, and the one who is next in honor to Christ was Lucifer. 
Now, this is a different speaker. This is the second speaker that we're reading from here. So the first in power was the father. The second in power was the son. And the third in power was Lucifer. So the three highest powers in heaven. Now, that's an Ellen White quote. The three highest powers in heaven were the father, the son, and Lucifer, representing the angels. I think that's fascinating. Now, those aren't my words, the fascinating words. Those are the speaker's words. I don't think this is fascinating at all, brothers and sisters. Um, and you'll see why I don't think this is fascinating as we, as we proceed. Now, notice again how, how these things were said. Highest in power, highest in authority, highest in position. This speaker is, uh, seems to be mainly focused on hierarchy and um, authority in heaven and that when Ellen White uses this term uh, highest powers in heaven that Ellen White is thinking hierarchy who's the top who's the next who's the next after that but we're going to see that that might not be the case we'll see from the inspired evidence that um, we are not allowed to take this approach without identifying the Holy Spirit as Lucifer before the fall. And we know that's not true. And in our day, like you said before, it would be the angel Gabriel. So we have one more quote by this same second speaker. The problem is likely that a Trinitarian wants the Holy Spirit to be the third highest power, but it cannot be so. As the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, not a different being. Now, none of us think that the Holy Spirit is a different being. But Satan in heaven, and here he's quoting uh, Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 1, Satan in heaven, before his rebellion, was a high and exalted angel, next in honor to God's dear Son. And now here's the conclusion. As the third highest in honor, hierarchy, he was the third in power, hierarchy again. So unless Ellen White uses this phrase, highest powers in heaven, as a hierarchical statement and is surrounded by a context of hierarchy, then we can't take this approach. So let's now uh, explore how Ellen White actually uses this phrase. And we're not only going to take a look at the phrase highest power, we're also going to take a look at the three great powers. It's a variation of that statement. And one instance of the three worthies of heaven. And I find this one kind of interesting. When I looked it up, almost every instance, instance of three worthies is going to be in reference to who? The Hebrews, right? The three Hebrews and Daniel. So, um, but there are one, maybe two, where she uses three worthies to describe um, the three highest powers. And we'll see that one uh, first here. The power of God will attend you because you have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the names, plural, of these three worthies of heaven, you can present as your power and efficiency. Now that's key. Keep that in mind for the rest of the study. These, these names are your power and efficiency. You are to remain dead unto the world and alive unto God. May the Lord... Lord's blessing rest upon you, and may you have the comfort of his grace 
We spoke about that a couple weeks ago. Day by day, and finally shout the trumpets of victory in the kingdom of glory. We can meet there. Oh, may God help us. I believe he will. So this is the only one we're going to look at that uses three worthies, but I think you get the picture um, who the three worthies are in this quote, right? The Father, the Son, and who? Holy, Holy Ghost. Now we move to three highest powers quotes. Every sinner may become a partaker of the divine nature. Now we spoke about that a couple weeks ago in direct reference to the Holy Spirit. We partake of that spirit, we partake of that divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. As a Christian submits to the solemn rite of baptism, the three highest powers in the universe, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now those are M dashes on each side of those, and M dashes are used for emphasis. The reason they're called, and one person knows it here, I didn't know it. M dashes are called M dashes because they're the width of an M. I didn't know that. I thought that was interesting. But they're used for emphasis. And so what she's emphasizing here is who the three powers are. And who are they? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Place their approval on his act, the one being baptized, pledging themselves to exert their power in his behalf as he strives to honor God. He is buried in the likeness of Christ's death and is raised in the likeness of his resurrection. He went down into the grave but he rose from the dead, proclaiming over the rent sepulcher, I am the resurrection and the life. Um, one thing I want to point out again here is that uh, she is bringing in the divine nature into this particular quote, so that's the context. And also, again, we're going to see this over and over, the identity of the three highest powers. Another quote, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Have you been baptized in these names? Again, plural. Ellen White sees these as plural names, more than one name. These three highest powers in heaven are pledged to you if you have died unto sin, buried with Christ in baptism, and rise to live the same life you did before? No. In newness of life. So what Ellen White's trying to tell us here isn't, isn't about hierarchy at all. It's about the sufficiency that we are offered through these powers to live a holy life, to live in newness of life. That's the point. And you will see that almost every time these phrases are used in her writings, she is directly associating it with baptism. She's practically always associating it with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But m more often than not, she is associating it directly with the rite of baptism and always with holy living. And I think that's really important here, that she's not trying to teach us the hierarchy of heaven. She's trying to show us where our sufficiency lies. Our next quote is also on the three highest powers. It is at the time of baptism that we testify to angels and to men 
that we are purged from our old sins, and that henceforth, having died to the world, we will seek those in which we, things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Let us not forget our baptismal vow in the presence of the three highest powers of heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have pledged ourselves to do the will of him who at the rent sepulcher of Joseph declared, I am the resurrection and the life. Christ forgives every penitent sinner, and as the forgiven one arises from the watery grave at the time of his baptism, he is declared a new creature whose life is hid with Christ in God. Let us ever remember that it is our high privilege to be purged of our old sins. This is the gospel. She's teaching the gospel through this concept of the three highest powers. Now, this, this is kind of unique in that she says these three highest powers are present at our baptism. Now, from a Trinitarian standpoint, the mind might go to the baptism of Christ. And that is one of the, um, the evidences put forth that there are three beings, that all three were there present at the baptism. Well, I would say, in a sense, that's true. But let's, let's let Ellen White tell us what that sense is. Was Christ physically present at his own baptism? Of course. Was the Father physically present at Christ's baptism? No. But he was present. How? Through his Spirit. And we saw a couple weeks ago how that manifested itself, Right? The Holy Spirit was the message of blessing given to Christ directly from the throne of God. It manifested itself in a physical way in what? Beams of light and glory, right? That took the shape of a, a, a dove. And Ellen White says a golden burnished dove. So you have a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. And the reality was he was being... Um, he was uh, being blessed by his father and given a message from his father to give him the courage to accomplish what he was about to endure in the wilderness. That was Christ receiving the Holy Spirit, right? Another measure. Can you imagine the confidence it would give you to have your father reassure you that you are the son of God? I mean, we can't imagine that. But that's what was being done there, to give him the courage and the power to move forward in his mission. Now, we also know that the angels were asking if they could give the blessing. Now, if the angels would have been allowed or permitted to give the blessing, my question is this. Say it was one angel. Let's say it was Gabriel. A Gabriel comes and audibly says to this crowd that this is the Son of God. Would that have made Gabriel the Holy Spirit? No. Would that have made Gabriel a messenger? Yes, a channel. For what? The Holy Spirit, which is the message direct from the throne of God. So this, this is the perspective that I believe is sound biblically. And um, I think when we get off of this track that we've been given evidence, clear evidence for, um, we can find ourselves on dangerous ground. And um, one thing that I want to remind you of, I don't know if you've been looking at the dates of these quotes, but they are, um, they've all been found during the Kellogg crisis. 
1904, 1905, 1906. I think we have one or two from 1900 and 1901. I believe it's very evident that Ellen White purposely chose certain language to use regarding the personality of God during that crisis. The people she was most trying to reach were the people that Kellogg was deceiving. She spoke many times about the sanitarium and what was being done there. The book by, I believe, Boardman was being passed out at the sanitarium. And we're going to read a quote from that book. A lot of people think that's a quote from Kellogg. It's not. It's a quote from Boardman. But um, she was very concerned about what he was teaching at the sanitarium through books and by his, um, by his own words. And so I just wanted to give you that context. That's where we find her using this language, the three highest powers. My personal take on it is that she was using seemingly Trinitarian language that was theologically correct to reach the Trinitarians, to reach those that Kellogg was deceiving. It's kind of like, if, if you want to hear this language, then I'll give it to you, but I will make it theologically correct. Boardman didn't. He was wrong, but I'll make it theologically correct so that maybe I can reach your mind and so that you won't continue to be deceived. Now we, we move to three great powers. And this is, um, this is concerning Kellogg. The Father is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now this is a quote from Boardman, I believe. As, or, and it is invisible to mortal sight. The Son is all the fullness of the Godhead manifested. The Word of God declares him to be the express image of his person. And so love... And, and so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here is shown the personality of the Father, the Comforter that Christ promised to send after ascended to heaven, is, and this is where she breaks from, really breaks from Boardman. See, these are Ellen White's theologically correct statements that are patterned after Boardman's statements that Kellogg is, is presenting. Instead of saying the Spirit is all the fullness, she says, is the Spirit in all the fullness of the Godhead, making manifest the power of divine grace to all who receive and believe in Christ as personal Savior. There are three living persons of the heavenly trio. In the name of these three great powers, and then she says who they are, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those who receive Christ by living faith are baptized. Again, every quote we've read so far, she's associating these three powers with baptism. Are baptized, and these powers will cooperate with the obedient subjects of heaven in their efforts to live the new life in Christ. And we've seen that sentiment before. This is, these powers are for us to have efficiency in our, uh, in our walk with Jesus. Now, one thing that many of you know is that you've probably seen this, this original manuscript. What I want to point out here, and it's hard to read, but um, she, she wrote that there are, here are the three living personalities. She crossed out the S and put ality, and I've got a slide that will help us see exactly what she did to it. But what I want to point out here is that below this, she crossed something else out that we don't often look at. She's talking about baptism again. She's associating these personalities with baptism, and she crosses out a statement about halfway down the page and then replaces it with something. 
We're going to take a look at what it is. So we have the, her first edit there. Here are the living three-person alities, she crossed out S and put alities, of the heavenly trio, in which every soul repenting of their sins crossed out believing and put receiving Christ by a living faith to them who are baptized. Again, she's associating this with baptism. Look what she crossed out. In the name of Jesus Christ. In reference to baptism, she crossed out in the name of Jesus Christ, and what did she replace it with? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Three high, dignified personalities. So again, like all of the other quotes, she's associating this with baptism. The three highest powers are the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I just find this interesting that um, she caught herself and chose to cross out baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ and replaced it with the commission of Christ found in Matthew 28, 19. Here's another quote. And um, basically, this we, I think we might have read this last in our last presentation. But it gives us insight into um, what, how Ellen White views Matthew 28, 19. And she tries to explain it. Um, in here by inserting some, some phrasing. Go ye therefore, he said, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, a personal God, and of the Son, a personal Prince and Savior, and of the Holy Ghost, sent from heaven to represent Christ, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So what I find interesting about this is that the context is Christ telling us to teach all nations. And then what does he follow it with? How to baptize. And I think we do the cause a disservice when we teach people that this is not how you baptize. Um, it is a command of Christ, and we are told by Christ himself to observe all things whatsoever he has commanded us. Um, I think it's, it's important for us to investigate the meaning behind these words. Uh, Mellon White says these words did fall from the lips of Christ. Matthew 28, 19 is not a forgery. Um, she wouldn't have co quoted it as many times as she did, hundreds of times she quotes this verse. And um, just the fact that she says it fell from the lips of Christ is enough for me. It's in the Bible, too, and we have no evidence like... Uh, 1 John 5, 7, uh, about any type of forgery. It's just not the same. Moving forward with the three great powers. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit. We are ordained unto God to bear fruit. Was this not our experience when we were led down into the water and baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost? What did that mean? So she's going to answer it. It meant that the three great powers in heaven were pledged to keep us so long as we remain one with Christ, united to the vine. So she's literally asking us, well, what do, what do I mean by that? And then she tells us what she means by that. So who are the three great powers of heaven? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. 
Have you thought of what this means to us? That in this prayer is included every son and daughter of Adam who will believe in Christ as a personal Savior and take the requisite steps, repentance, conversion, faith, and baptism? We are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And these three great infinite powers, there's a variation, are unitedly pledged to work in our behalf if we cooperate with them. So again, we have her defining her own words. When she says great powers, highest powers, infinite powers, she's speaking of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now we have read, or we can read, where Ellen White says that the Holy Spirit has a personality. And I believe that's true. And she says why. She says, else he could not bear witness to our spirits. And then she also says that he also must be a divine person. Right? And she gives the reason. Else he could not search out the secrets which lie hidden in the mind of God. So my question to you is, is Gabriel a divine person? No. Was Lucifer a divine person? No. I think we're getting our answer very, very clear in inspiration. All right, so this is, this is our last quote. And uh, it's called the Chapman Letter. And Brother Chapman was teaching something very similar to the quotes, the three quotes that we read in the beginning. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read through this quote. It's you know, three or four pages long, or slides long. And I'll just go straight through it. And I want you to see what Ellen White had to say. And right in the middle of this quote, you will have Chapman being quoted because he wrote Ellen White first, and this is her response. But in, in her response, she's quoting him what he read, wrote. She writes, I have received yours dated June 3rd. In this letter, you speak in these words. Now here's Chapman. Elder Robinson does not wish me to leave, but urges that I enter the canvassing field until such a time as the conference can afford to employ me in some other capacity, but states positively that I cannot be sent out to present the truth to others until some points held by me are changed or modified in order that the views regarded by us as a people should be properly set forth. That makes sense, right? He quoted as a sample, my idea in reference to the Holy Ghost not being the Spirit of God, which is Christ, but the angel Gabriel. And my belief that the 144,000 will be Jews who will acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. On all fundamental points, I am perfectly in harmony with our people. But when I try to show what seems to me to be new light on the truth, those in authority, none of whom have seemingly ever made a personal investigation of the matter, refuse to look into the Bible, but brand me as a fellow with queer ideas of the Bible. So this is, how, this is how Chapman approaches Ellen White on it. Now here she comes back in. Well, first of all, that was insulting to Ellen White. But it's also, was, did Chapman view this as his problem or the brethren? It's the brethren's problem, right? It's their understanding that's lacking. Now here's what Ellen White has to say about the matter. My brother, you have asked me candidly for advice. Please read with attention John 17, 17 through 26. 
It is your privilege and your duty to seek for this oneness, this unity, and thus answer the prayer of Christ. This prayer is full of instruction and consolation. As our intercessor in heaven, Christ is ever working for the unity of his people. In order to be in harmony with heaven, we must seek to be one in faith and in practice. Your ideas of the two subjects you mentioned do not harmonize with the light which God has given me. So both subjects. The nature of the Holy Spirit is a mystery not clearly revealed, and you will never be able to explain it to others because the Lord has not revealed it to you. You may gather together scriptures and put your own construction upon them, but the application is not correct. The exposition by which you sustain your position are not sound. You may lead some to accept your explanations, but you do them no good, nor are they, through accepting your views, enabled to do others good. It is not essential for you to know and be able to define just what the Holy Spirit is. Christ tells us that the Holy Spirit is the Comforter, and the Comforter is the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Truth, which the Father shall send in my name. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. This refers to the omnipresence of the Spirit of Christ, called the Comforter. Again, Jesus says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Now she says, you need to come into harmony with your brethren. You may take certain views of Scripture and searching the Bible in the light of your ideas may gather together a large number of texts and claim they mean this and that and call for anyone to prove to you that your views are incorrect. But what influence could anyone have upon your mind when he takes the same Scriptures and interprets and implies them differently? Both of you claim to found your views on the Bible. So this study was to help everyone make their own decision concerning these three highest powers. I'm simply giving you evidence of what's out there. I've given you inspired evidence, and I'll give you uninspired evidence. And that's all that I wish, is that you look at the evidence and make your own choice. Don't follow personalities. Certainly don't follow mine. But follow the evidence wherever it leads. And that's where we will find ourselves on the solid ground, the solid foundations that the pioneers um, built the church on in the first 50 years. That's where we need to be, not on speculation. So this study was simply to determine, out who, determine who these three highest powers are, and I hope this has been a help. Um, I believe that inspiration has told us that they are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is the third power repeatedly, dozens and dozens and dozens of times mentioned by Ellen White. Now, one of the speakers that I quoted in the beginning said that Chapman, the person that we just read that quote from, said Chapman was on to something. Do you believe Chapman was on to something? 
He was on to something. But what did Ellen White think about that something? She called it error and that it would help no one. So those two speakers, along with Chapman, imply that this is new light. I don't believe it's new light. All three blame others for misunderstanding them. All three equated the third power of the Holy Spirit with the highest-ranking angel, which would be Gabriel now, Lucifer before the fall. All three are out of harmony with the brethren on this subject. All three are out of harmony with the light that Ellen G. White was given on this subject. All three challenge others to prove them wrong. All three have led some to accept their theories. But Ellen White says these false theories will benefit no one. So my charge to you today concerning this topic is to be good Bereans. Don't take my word for it. Don't take another speaker's word for it. But look into it yourself because that's the only way you're going to be grounded in truth. I don't ground anybody in truth. I can simply point to it and hope, hope that it plants a seed. But our duty is to, is to take what inspiration says and build our foundation upon that. And I believe it's, it's clear on this topic and that when we step over that line of, of, inspired, of the inspired writings into speculation, we find ourselves on dangerous ground like Chapman. And I just, I give this message to you and charge you to avoid the pitfalls by teachings like this. And if you need to, avoid those that are spreading these messages so that you don't encounter error again. But lean on the inspired word for your understanding on any subject, including this one. So I pray this has been a blessing and I don't give this message to tear any person down, but to simply point out what I believe is clear truth and what I believe is clear error, and you can all choose which to follow. Uh, those that are able, would you uh, kneel in prayer, and we'll ask God's blessing on all of us as we depart today. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you so much for what I personally have, have learned in this study and how, how important baptism is and how important the, the teachings of Christ are on the subject and also the deep meaning that we have only begun to scratch the surface regarding being baptized in the name of these three highest powers in the names of these three highest powers. And I pray that as we continue to dig and search for truth regarding this subject of our efficiency to live the Christian life, that you will reveal to us in each individual's own timing that is needed the truths that you would have for us so that we can remain grafted into the, the vine and so that we can uh, keep from stumbling and falling as we lean and take advantage of those three powers that are pledged to us at our baptism. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who died and gave his life for us and that made it possible for us to accept salvation through baptism. And I pray this in his name. Amen. Standing on the Platform of Truth Pioneer Health and Missions